And it's just all these different tools that I use to support my clients predominantly with things like procrastination and perfectionism and imposter syndrome and lacking of confidence. And I mean, those are probably the sanitized versions of what it really is. But what I really am super passionate about is serving what I like to call company leaders. Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us, because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, mental health revolutionaries. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm honored that you're here. Today is an episode that is packed with wisdom. For some of you, you may want to note some of this. I definitely learned some important things about framing business and just different things like that from Sabrina. So today I'm interviewing Sabrina Andrucci. Sabrina is a business coach. She practices hypnotherapy, RTT, NLP, and some other amazing things. She has a beautiful website, which I'll link in the show notes. But today I learned just how to frame business, how even the root of the word business is the antithesis of what I'm trying to create in the world. Sabrina shares her story of really curing herself of chronic illness and how she works with business owners. This was a pleasure. I really hope you enjoy. You can find more information about Sabrina in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to my Monday Mind Ups email list. This is really for you. If you have dreams and goals that you know would lead you to fulfillment, but something keeps derailing you, my Monday Mind Ups email list is a quick, bite-sized, mindset-shifting piece of content to keep referring back to, to speak to the self inside of you that knows how to stay aligned with your dreams. So if that appeals to you, if that can help you solve a problem of fulfillment in your life, then head over to the show notes, click on my Monday Mind Ups sign-up list, and I'm looking forward to serving you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sabrina Andrucci. Okay, so Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, hi, Erin. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So we start with these questions. Uh, tell us about yourself, your work, and your passions. Oh, they seem like such general questions, but they're actually so deep in terms of the way that we answer them. So I'm Sabrina, and Rucci is my surname, which may be a little bit of a tongue twister. It is Italian. I'm of Italian descent, but I'm from South Africa, if you're wondering where the accent is from. I'm what I like to call a hypno-coach. Um, I like to combine coaching and hypnotherapy. Um, I'm a certified rapid transformational therapy practitioner. Um, I've also gotten a second accreditation in hypnotherapy as well, because I really wanted to just understand what it was without all the additional things that RTT brings with it. 
I've got an NLP certification. Um, I've also got a life coaching certification. I'm a numerologist and I've been doing that for years. It's always been my party trick. And um, I thought to just sort of add it in. It's a little bit of, you know, something else just to sort of figure out who am I by the numbers. And it's just all these different tools that I use to support my clients predominantly with things like procrastination and perfectionism and imposter syndrome and lacking of confidence. And I mean, those are probably the sanitized versions of what it really is. But what I really am super passionate about is serving what I like to call company leaders. So it sounds quite obvious, like company leaders, okay, you own a business and you run a business and you're a business owner and, you know, CEO and entrepreneur and all of those kind of titles that fit within that. And where my journey started in figuring out this word company is I actually went and looked at business and I was like, why does this word not feel good? The word business for me never felt good. I don't know why. And then I figured out why. So I always like to figure out the meaning of a word because I think so often we hear words and we use them and we use them in the context that we've learned them. And often we don't actually know what a word means. So I love to do me a little bit of a Google (laughs) and, you know, check out what does this word mean? And more interestingly than the definition is actually the etymology and where the word came from. And the word business, you'll be almost horrified, but it will make total sense when I tell you, comes from the root word that actually means anxiety. So I thought, okay, I get why this word doesn't land with me because business, like busyness, has this sort of energy to it. That's a lot of doing, 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 doing. And I thought, okay, we need to think of another way of how we do things. And so I looked at another more common word, company, which has an inclusion, a warmth to it, a shoulder to shoulder, a peer led kind of vibe to it. And I believe that the word company goes beyond just business. It goes beyond that context because you might be a, a business leader. Perfect. You own a business. Lovely. And I'm using the word business, you know, intentionally here as well, just to sort of separate these things. But you could also be in management. You could be leading a team. You could be a leader within your community at, you know, the rowing club or in your gym. And you have company within these places. You could be a company leader as someone in your family. And what I began to see just through, you know, exposing myself to different people and clients and working with them is we need to support people to become company leaders so that they can lead within company. And it's kind of like I get this visual of like a stone or a rock. And the bigger the rock, if you had to throw it into a lake, the wider the ripple effect would be. And if we can create these leaders that are these really big, strong rocks, the ripple effect that they can have within their communities is just so much wider. Mm. And how I do that, because it sounds all very inspirational, doesn't it? It does. But, uh, I love it. <laughs> it's very inspirational. I'm right with you. Yeah. 
How I do that is supporting them with removing subconscious blocks, limiting beliefs, because we all have those kinks in our armor. We all have those Achilles heels. We all battle with the procrastination, the imposter syndrome, the perfectionism, et cetera. These are how they, these are how these things manifest in our lives as that chink in our armor. I'm terrified. I can't public speak. I'm terrified to public speak. I don't have any confidence. I've got money blocks. I don't know what I, I just keep giving everything away for free, you know, or I just, I, I know I need to do this thing, but you know, walking the dogs and packing the dishwasher feels so much better than sitting down and writing the proposal. Yeah. And so I support people with what is that actual root cause that is manifesting as all of these tactics that we use. Mm. You have said so much there. Beautiful. I mean, you've said it all, so there's not really much I need to add there. But it was so fascinating to hear how company really denotes that connection that you are in good company was sort of what was coming up for me too. And I love what you said about the stone. When I think about both branches of the business that I co-own, it's like a therapeutic practice, a group practice with lots of practitioners. And our model, we've reversed how most practice businesses are run. We don't serve the client first. We serve the business, then the therapist, then the client, and the client serves the community. So if we don't keep the business well and the therapists well, then there isn't really anyone sustainable to serve the clients well, that they're really, really healthy. Then those clients go out and they serve the community. And we've seen it. And it's amazing now. We haven't advertised in so long because the the clients go out and say, this is different. And there's this ripple effect. And the same for this new business, Therapist Expanded. Absolutely. This is about revolution. This is about changing these conditioned thoughts. So I love the visual because those ripples, to me, that, that's how I think as well. It's like, how can we make the biggest impact? Mm-hmm. To add to your point about the reverse engineered approach, the, it, for me, it's the virtue of selfness. Mm. it's me it's selfness me first because until i'm okay i can't serve others i'm effectively useless yep no it's okay oh yeah i feel we could fill days with what we have to say Mm. but i think that that's so important the selfness and the ripple effect trusting that the ripple effect will come from doing what is in interest to selfness and to whatever vibration or energy you're trying to embody. For me, it's revolution. That's how I know. Am I doing the thing I need to do here? Well, is it about revolution? Yeah. Okay. Then that's the ripple effect. And it doesn't require busyness. Busyness is doing a million things, like you said. And that's how many businesses, entrepreneurs, companies approach things is I want to create something like a ripple effect. So I'm going to do a thousand things to try to reach everybody. You've got to be that rock and the change you want to see. You know, the word guru even means in some translations like heavy, solid. And people all come to that person for their wisdom and then take that away like the ripple effect. So I also heard that ancient meaning of heaviness, solidness. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because when you brought up that visual when you said doing a thousand little things and I was like okay so if we had to throw 
a thousand stones into the pond. You know, just to sort of like tease this out a little bit, what we end up doing is creating a whole lot of ripples off each stone that end up sort of, you know, butting into each other. You actually don't get that sort of sonic expansion from that impact. Sorry, I just had like a little moment for myself. Oh, no, that's the beauty of what we're doing. Mm. And then when I think about hypnotherapy and what my understanding is, is it's a lot to do with the unconscious coming into conscious awareness. And so when we have a metaphor, a visual, uh, that's like a bigger piece of us speaking to our more limited thinking mind that is really supposed to be a filter in my culture, at least in North America. There is a worshiping of the mind and the thinking rational in such a way that we miss a lot of this other piece of us that just offered you that beautiful image. So I love it. Mm. Don't even get me started on the subconscious mind. Okay. <laughs> Maybe like direct me where you want to talk about it because I okay. could go on literally for days. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a, a question that is a little bit loaded because I have experienced RTT. Ever, mm. I asked you to come on this podcast and then I looked into it right around that time and I experienced it. So RTT to me is fascinating. Um, just in, there's a lot of reasons it's interesting, but I'd love to hear your take on how you see RTT. So I see it as a really well-branded tool. It's it's a combination of existing therapies. I mean, it's a combination of hypnosis, which we're all quite familiar. And if you're a hypnotherapist or you've trained in hypnotherapy, you will be familiar with some of the aspects of RTT. It also uses um, a lot of NLP or neuro-linguistic programming tools as well. Um, and Marissa Peer, who's the creator of RTT, has really, she's created a recipe that is incredibly powerful and works really well to get somebody from one point of I'm experiencing this problem, understanding what that problem is, reframing it, and then and having a transformation of that experience. And it's so it, it is rapid in its in the name. It it is quite rapid because we we go right into the root cause. You know, we if you want to use another visual, it's like getting into that sort of you know festering boil of whatever it is. We we crack it open, we look at all the things in there, you know, we do a full extraction. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I like your and analogy. Then, <laughs> yeah, it was painful, but good. Yeah. 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 It it can be quite intense. And, you know, I, I use it very thoughtfully with, with my clients. And that's why I like to combine um, hypno coach as well, because sometimes we need a little bit of a more soft approach. And I mean, I'm a huge RTT advocate. It has literally changed my life. That is obviously why I'm certified in it. But sometimes I know that it's really intense. So you kind of want to like sometimes be a little bit softer. But if there's something that is really you grappling with, it, it really is something that is super powerful. It gets right into that, that core center. 
And I must be honest, it, it is phenomenal. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. So I have clients, you know, just off the bat here, she's been battling with anxiety. And we did a session specifically on the anxiety. And after the session, she was like, so the anxiety has gone, but I suddenly feel so angry. <laughs> and I thought that's quite fascinating because what we've done is we've peeled away a big onion layer. And the way that I view anxiety is it's like a warning light. It's an engine light. It's like, hey, there's a problem. Hey, there's a problem. Hey, there's a problem. But it doesn't tell you what. You know, much like your engine light on your car, it doesn't tell you you need to replace your filters. It just says, the light's on. And so, you you know, you take your car off to, you know, mechanic and they put it in a diagnostics tool, you know, these days. And RTT is kind of like going into the diagnostics tool and going, okay, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, let's, you know, pull all of this stuff out. But what had happened was is we'd, we'd uncovered all of that and now she's, she's like, I'm, I feel angry all the time. <laughs> and so I said, look, this is very much psychological surgery. You know, we've, in a very real sense, we've gone and we've, we've pulled out some stuff and there's, there's total reason for this feeling to come up for you because for a long time you've probably suppressed a lot of feelings and you've put them away because you didn't feel that it was safe to feel them and express them and the environment just wasn't conducive. So it comes with, you know, a lot of my clients find sort of this, this euphoria after a session and then it might turn into a bit of like, oh, my goodness, I feel like my life is coming to an end. And usually within a week after that, it kind of peters out. And I ken it very much to going in for a physical surgery if you had to have, you know, appendix out or tonsils out or knee replacement or whatever. There's a time out of surgery where the anesthetic is still working and they've given you some delicious drugs, you know, to help with the pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you come back from hospital and then suddenly you're like, you know, oh my gosh, the reality of what has just happened has has come upon me and but then you start to heal and sort of improve beyond that and it's also it's just in my way it's the it's the brain's way of kind of creating this cozy environment for you to sort of retract a little bit and just actually heal so the pain response even though it's a f- emotional pain response it's just to get you to you know, just take a bit of breathing space Mm -hmm. to just process what happened but I can guarantee or not let me not guarantee but let me say I can promise that on the end after all of that it's really well worth it to have cleared that with this client with anxiety she's traveling over at the moment in Europe and she's like she keeps emailing me I can't believe it I don't feel anxious I should be anxious but I'm not (laughs) So that's really a good sign. That's really, really a good sign. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you explained it. I loved your analogies of the surgical analogy really fit uh, my experience. But I was just going in really interested because I haven't seen a lot of people in my field who are doing it, but I know there's a lot of coaches doing it. And I'm a real, I mean, I do both coaching for therapists and uh, psychotherapy. So it was really fascinating. It reminded me of of EMDR. I don't know if you know EMDR. 
in terms of a float back, which is where you learn the real cause of the current distress. So I appreciated that, but I could see what you said. Someone, a lot of people would need a gentler approach. For me, I'm like, let's just get in there. But that hasn't happened overnight. That's happened over years. So thank you for that. And I'm wondering if we can switch to the questions. My experience is that once we do this first part, it leads right into at least this question, if not all of them. Okay. So my first question is, what does mental health revolution mean to you? So as it would, as you would have, as you have quite eloquently predicted (laughs) that this would lead in. For me, it's about feeling the feelings. That is really and truly what I think a mental health revolution is. I feel as though the depressed, deep rest, depression that people feel, the anxiety, which is the warning light, the dis-ease that we experience in the physical body is all as a result of not truly honoring and feeling and allowing our feelings. And I know this sounds so like wishy-washy and woo-woo and like, I I get it, you know, like feel your feelings. It doesn't doesn't hold much weight. (laughs) But I think what we've done so much in society is we've separated good feelings from bad. And these are the feelings we're allowed to feel. And then we have this, you know, this wonderful sort of, um, you know, think positive movement that has happened as well. But the problem is what we've done is when we feel bad, we try and think good. And then what we do is we make good feelings feel bad. And we just keep circling between these two things. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know why I'm so sad. I shouldn't be so sad. I need to be happy. I need to be happy. Okay, I'm going to go and walk my dog. And you're walking your dog, but you're crying. And you're like, oh, this is supposed to feel good, but I feel bad. And we we just muddle these things like really badly trying to sort of move away from the bad feelings instead of just saying, okay, I'm sad. Let's be sad. Let's yes. be sad and feel it. Oh, so yeah. for me, that's what a mental health revolution is, is feeling our feelings. And then I have a add on to that because a lot of that means allowing ourselves to be who we are. Sometimes feelings are messy. And they're sometimes not well received. And they're sometimes not corporate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And they're sometimes not very professional. And we battle with this sort of stuff. And that's where emotional intelligence comes in. It's because I think emotional intelligence, we've always viewed it as people that are super receptive to others. I mean, I've always been told like, you're so, your EQ is is amazing. And I'm like, are you serious? I feel like a blooming basket case. Like, I think this is probably a trauma response. This is why I read into everybody, you know, (laughs) so well. (laughs) I'm just trying to like predict anything um, happening in in the future. So I just read into everything. But emotional intelligence is actually the ability to think through our emotions. And not let our thinking become our emotions or our emotions becoming our thoughts. So in that corporate setting, in that professional setting, we need to start feeling more more comfortable with being authentic and saying, this really upsets me, or I'm quite angry with the way you replied to this email. Instead of like 
you know, putting your hands like a foot above your keyboard and just typing like a crazy person, you know, feel the feeling, step away from the keyboard, feel the feeling. I'm furious. How dare this person do that? Because you're completely allowed to feel that and understand, okay, the reason I feel that is because, and give you, because I also, um, a little bit of a subconscious mind trick. Don't ask, why do I feel that feeling? Because you'll never get a true answer. You'll get an excuse. Because we go, but why, but why, but why? <laughs> so if you say, I'm feeling this feeling because Susan sent me the email and her tone was really upsetting. And her tone was really upsetting because it reminded me of when my mother scolded me when I was six. And my mother scolded me when I was six because I'd missed milk on the floor in the kitchen. And I missed milk on the floor in the kitchen because I was six and I didn't know better. Okay, got it. <laughs> the because rather than the why. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, the beauty of the audience you're talking to is we are the preachers of the feel your feelings. So that part, and yet we're all human and we all try to rationalize our way out of them because we've been deeply conditioned. Um, I love how you brought it to the corporate setting. One thing that I was thinking as you were saying that was how much that aligns with, for me, what a mental health revolution means, which is being truly yourself unapologetically. And all of us that are in this mental health field in any way, helping people, healing, when we truly be ourselves authentically, I see what that does for everyone when we support and it means, yeah, you got to feel your feelings, not resisting things, learning from them and going after the things in life that probably make everyone around you slightly uncomfortable. That's the thing about why we don't feel our feelings. Not only are we uncomfortable, but it's like everyone else would rather that I just be the Bud Light cap. I don't know if you had this commercial in South Africa, but in North America, at one point we had this commercial. And to me, it typified this issue, which was a whole party of people partying on a roof deck, drinking Bud Light, and everyone's happy, there's alcohol, and then suddenly everyone's face turns into the, a beer cap with a happy face on it. And I just, for that moment, was like, this is the propaganda of what we're talking about, like distance from things and put on a happy face, and that's really what people want to see. So... I think your statement of what is a mental health revolution, I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. And it goes back to selfness. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question then, I'm going to, I do these out of order. Sometimes I do the one, sometimes do, do the other. It's whatever kind of feels right. So I'm wondering where have you taken a risk, gone after a dream or desire that's aligned with selfness? Hmm. The real true risk was starting a company. And that has been a dream that had been sort of, I've, I'm still terrified. Let me be honest. <laughs> I'm still terrified and I'm doing it. It was something that I'd wanted to do for the longest time and I never thought I could. And I've always been good with people. It's my talent. And I always denied that because I was like, what do you mean? How, how can being good with people be a talent? Like I can't sing. I can't play a musical instrument. I'm terrible at sports. But my kindergarten report card talked about me 
taking the little underdog under my wing and helping them <laughs> through the playground. You know, this is it's just been there. It's always been, it's been the backdrop of my life. And, um, you know, I did the, the bud-like thing, you know, you, you just put on the happy face and you just do the things, you know, you get a good job and you get a good this and you did it at the end you get a gold watch apparently or something happens. <laughs> yeah, there's a promise, who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I did that and it was never fulfilling and I kind of knew it would never be fulfilling. I knew it wouldn't. I knew it wouldn't, but I I was afraid of what else there was. So I just stuck down a sales and marketing background. That's where I come from. Um, worked in corporate, so very familiar with the angry emails and the Susans <laughs> that upset my poor six-year-old. And what had happened is, is I had resisted this so much. I had resisted myself. I had suppressed my feelings. I had basically crushed myself under the pressure of perfectionism to such a degree that I was in debilitating pain, physical pain. And that's how I got into RTT. Because for about four years, I was battling with chronic unexplained back pain, lower back pain. There was no real injury or any sort of tissue damage or any kind of thing that, you know, we did the x-rays and all the things that you do. And the doctors were like, well, maybe, you know, a little bit of old age. I was like in my thirties, early thirties. I'm still in my thirties. I was in my early thirties. And they were like, you know, as you get older, gravity, I'm like, good grief. I'm like a third of my way into this gig. Like what's going to happen when I'm 80, (laughs) you know? So And then like gravity presses down and, you know, maybe there's a slight twist on the spine and there was no real reason for it. It was just there. And that my body would alternate between the lower back pain. And then I had this other fabulous manifestation of gnawing gut issues that that would flare up. Also like changed my diet, cleaned everything out, got rid of all the things, all those inflammatory things that we know about. Got I got a new bed. I changed my shoes. I did everything. And of course, these two things don't work hand in hand because painkillers are really bad on the stomach. So it was a lot of trying sort of like other ways of getting it done. And one of those ways with the back pain was going for chiropractor, going to the chiropractor. And the one day while I was at the chiropractor, he had his elbow quite literally jammed into my back somewhere. It was just so excruciating. I don't even know where it was. And he was, you know, sort of like weighting his whole body, trying to actually just release the muscle <laughs> so he could do what he needed to do. And he very nonchalant, he was like, you know, I think this might be emotional and probably not like a physical issue, this back thing. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't know. I just have a feeling that it's probably just emotional stuff that's pent up in your body. And he referred me to a therapist. And at the time, he didn't know, but I was on antidepressants. Um, I'd gone into depression and I was always kind of one of those people that was not totally sold on the concept of antidepressants, but it had gotten so bad and I needed the support. And I took the support. I needed to just get my face out of the fire. And now I'm a huge advocate for them as well. Obviously, you know, in in the right setting. 
and went to therapy and she was like, we're going to hypnotize you. And I said, you are not going to do anything of the sort. You can forget it because this is brainwashing. You're not going to touch my brain and I don't want to know what's going on in there. And I can't see, I mean, you can just hear all the tells, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to know what, what's happening in my childhood and blah, 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 blah. I went home and I researched hypnotherapy and how does this work and what does it do and why do you do it and what happens and are they going to brainwash me and can they take control of my mind and, you know, all the can, do I cluck like a chicken and all of those good things. As a result, I found Marissa Peer and RTT and within three months, back pain subsided, stomach issues cleared up. And that was three years ago now, and both of them have been well-managed. I mean, my diet, I still am am quite clean on my diet, but it's been a healing that has been quite phenomenal. And that was the starting point of me getting into RTT. So I'd started with RTT, and I was still terrified to start the business because you asked me what is the biggest risk. And I was terrified, and and I fumbled around, and I delayed my certification and I got sidetracked into all kinds of other stuff. And and then eventually February this year, I launched my business, my company. And I said, I'm here guys. <laughs> I am Sabrina Andrucci. I'm here. We are doing this. And a testament, I've had to allow myself to be messy and not have the answers and not know what I'm doing. And probably get it wrong and be okay with getting it wrong and not knowing what I'm doing a lot of the time. And it's been also being okay with transferring of skills and using past skills. Cause I also think we have this weird thing of like, okay, now I'm changing my career. I need to go and get every single certification that I possibly can. So I have credibility. And then I'm like, but I have I wasn't born yesterday. I've got skills from the past, from my past experience that I can transfer into this job. So in this role, in this career path, so let me move them. And I, and I have done that. And I think the biggest thing really is just knowing that everything I'm going, that I'm doing has to pay off. It has to pay off sometime, at some point mm-hmm. and just knowing and trusting that it will. It's beautiful. And you named for me, as like a fulfillment coach for therapists, you name the places that that comes up, right? I'm looking to someone else. Are they going to tell me that I'm ready? No, I just need to take my skills with me, right? I can do this. The things that come up that are so deeply conditioned in us, it's amazing. And I could hear that and how you did it anyway. You said you started there. You're like, I'm still afraid, but I'm doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I find that the doing it through the fear starts to do some deconditioning on its own, right? We haven't died when we did the thing that was so scary. We said we were a somebody, right? I just called myself a fulfillment coach for therapists. Um, I didn't get any credentials, theoretically, to do that, but I am calling myself that. And I didn't wait for someone. And you call yourself a specific title. And you have really thoughtfully defined the words that you're going to use, but there isn't a credential. 
that's a really common thing that comes up for people, um, whether it's coaching, therapy, whatever, that there's this, we've been so conditioned. I mean, we're all children at some point, And there was always a powerful somebody telling us what we could do, what we couldn't do. Were we good enough? Did we get an A? Did we get a D? Did we like whatever? So I think it's so beautiful that you're in this place of I'm doing it right now. And you're doing it from that self place, that selfhood, rather than the waiting for the powerful other to tell you that whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. And Erin, you know, for you and I mean, your listeners more so as well, like, please, this, the, it, the fear doesn't go away. <laughs> I, I always say you can't have courage without fear. You, you can't be brave without the fear. So you, you, it's just going to be there. If, if when people are like, oh my gosh, you're so brave, then you can go, yeah, because I'm shaking in my boots and I'm terrified, yeah. <laughs> you know. So just remember that anytime you say uh, you're brave, and I'm, and I'm talking just generally, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. necessarily saying for you, but if you ever say to someone, oh my gosh, you're so brave, or you think just about some, oh my gosh, just know they're terrified. And if they're terrified, and you're terrified, then you're in the same place. Absolutely. Just just go ahead. Just do it. That's what makes, I agree. And I've used this with my daughter. I've used these statements. Exactly what you're saying. You you wouldn't be brave if you weren't scared because it would just be easy, right? It would just be easy, right? People who do all the things that we all are challenged with, the bravery is in the, uh, the feeling, the fear and doing it anyway. Yep. And I've had a number of people I've talked to, family members, people I've worked with, and it's like, but I did the wild and crazy, pants-crappingly scary thing, but I'm more scared now. And it's like, yeah, you're defying all of your conditioning. So it's just coming right up to the surface to unconsciously give you all the sensations and emotions of all the terrifying things that could happen. And when they don't, it gets easier. But yeah, I agree. Until we find the next place and the next thing in ourselves that we're confronted with, yeah, then there's fear again. And maybe there's fear the whole time. There probably will be. And I think the biggest, I mean, when you said defying the odds, the biggest thing is the fear of rejection. And that is so deeply knitted. Because remember, as as infants and children, you know, Plato always said, give me a child until they're seven and anyone can have them. So. The theory is by the time you're seven, you kind of can do your thing. Um, but that early development stage, let's call it, you know, birth to seven years old, you are reliant on your caregivers to feed, clothe, house, care for you. It has to happen. Yeah. We are, in fact, the only mammals that require this as well. So there's a huge, like, evolutionary chink in our armor, okay? <laughs> So that fear of rejection could equate death Mm -hmm. because if we were rejected at that stage, we would be rendered helpless and that would effectively become fatal. So when we're defying uh, the, the conditioning of society, we're pushing up against that fear of rejection. What if they hate me? What if I'm canceled? And now it's not just like, oh, you get, you know, your boyfriend breaks up with you. It's like you get canceled on the internet. Like people come in the millions, you know? Yeah. And that is, is such a, 
scary thing. Mm-hmm. And I had a bizarre thought. Um, you know, I just think this might be the right place to sort of put it, but I almost feel as though doing this kind of work, the self-development work is an evolutionary requirement of our species so that we can move beyond this primal pickup of, of fear of rejection. Like we need to move beyond that because it's such a primal thing from our little like lizard brain, (laughs) you know, you need to be accepted by the tribe because if the tribe um, you know, absconds you, you, you lost in the desert and you can't fend for yourself. And that's why we carry it as, as well into adulthood. So it's, it's really like we need to do this work so that we can actually overcome this evolutionary chink in our armor and move beyond it. So in, in the way I look at it, if we need a greater reason for self-development, it's for evolution. <laughs> yes. Which is for our whole species. Yeah. And you can see it, the pursuit of happiness, which evolutionarily does not align with the lizard brain. The lizard brain does not care if we're happy. It just cares if we're surviving. So you look at our cultures, I'm going to use the globe, and I'll use westernized culture anyway. Post-World War II, the pursuit of happiness has sort of ramped up. You can see it in cultural norms. It's partly advertising, things like that. But I think it signals for me, I've thought about this, that the evolutionary shift has already started. And that's why we're doing this work. And we have this push for self-development because it is our next phase of evolution where we're working out of survival and into much bigger realms of what it means to be a human, to be, to understand consciousness and health and wealth and all of these things, right? But knowing this is so important, I ask myself the question, what is worth being criticized for? And that's what gets me to be very clear on what I'm actually going to pursue. I've said this on the podcast before, but this question helps me know because ego will never, there's nothing to ego that's worth being criticized. Only our being, like our core need you know you talked about how you were born to be with people it was on your your kindergarten only our core like why did we come here why are we having this life only that is worth being criticized for because it's it's bigger it's like the only thing i've found in myself and when i work with others that's bigger than that survival fear is if you can find the thing that's worth being criticized for being rejected for that's the thing that will not run out of fuel Does that make sense? Yeah. There isn't much I've found with humans. There's only a few things. And those few things are of the utmost importance. They're like a guide on a path where the ego can get in there and just derail us. And that's fine. We got to do that. But it's only that what's worth being criticized for that is of the kind of importance I found that someone will keep going back to it and say, yeah, that's going to fuel me. It doesn't seem to dissipate. Mm. Yeah, I've looked at it and I love how you've put that. What are you what are you willing to be criticized for? And I love the 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 lens that you've placed that on because I think you know people are like I don't know what my purpose is. What's my purpose? What's why am I here? You know, blah 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 blah. And I found that to be such a frustrating question sometimes. 
because your purpose is to be here. It's already been fulfilled. You're on the earth. But what is your vision? What is your mission? What do you want to lie on your deathbed and look back on your life and say, oh, I did it all. And I think sometimes when, you, when you're saying, what do you want, what are you willing to be criticized for? That's like, what are you willing to stand up for? What are you willing to like put your neck on the line for? What do you, where, where does your values actually lie? Not where people tell you they should lie. Where do your values actually lie? What is really important for you? Mm-hmm. Mm. That to me is beautiful because this, the third question I was going to ask, you've answered because you, you've, you're doing it right now. You're doing both. You're doing the taking the risk and you're doing the pantscrappingly scary stuff. So that, that to me feels like such a beautiful place. That question you just posed to the audience asking yourself. So I'm wondering, where can people find you? Mm. Well, the internet is a great place to start. I think if the internet has, it's like Pandora's box of wonderful places. <laughs> so my website and all my socials will be I am Sabrina Andrucci. So it's I am Sabrina Andrucci.com for the website. The socials are all at I am Sabrina Andrucci, except I think Twitter is I am Sabrina and because they had a, character limits <laughs> I mean really <laughs> but I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram so you can find me there and my surname which may be a little bit foreign for some or exotic uh, if you remember Andre and Gucci but without the G so it's like Andre Uchi um, that's how you can spell it if you need to find me and Sabrina obviously like the teenage witch I never lived that ever down. And then they've resurfaced that series once again. So it will just be ongoing. <laughs> well, it's a great branding, isn't it? People can't forget it your is. name. Yeah. So I will also link in the show notes to everything awesome. you've mentioned. And I awesome. so appreciate you coming on today, Sabrina. Oh, it's been absolutely, I want to say divine, because I think in a lot of ways it has. And I've thoroughly enjoyed my time here. And thank you so much, Erin. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution.